This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Be Dazzling, the podcast that shows you how to be seen and be heard so that you can step out of the shadows and into your own spotlight. Join your host, Kim Middlestadt, image consultant and transformation coach specializing in mother-daughter relationships as she brings you enlightening conversations with both professionals and moms that will inspire and inform, giving you the real-world strategies you need to unlock your potential and create healthy relationships that will last a lifetime. And now, here is your host, Kim Middlestadt. to Be Dazzling podcast, for moms, by a mom, and all about moms. Today, we're going to be speaking with Barb Bagalki, founder and executive director for the Center for Suicide Awareness. And as I got into my conversation with her, I realized she had so much to offer that we were, instead of splitting it up, going to keep the entire conversation in one episode. So without further ado, let me introduce Barb Begalke. She's a driven, compassionate leader who develops innovative solutions in the area of mental health, suicide, trauma, and authentic living. Her diverse 20-plus career as a counselor, coach, speaker, and teacher provides a solid foundation of knowledge and experience to connect with people in an impactful way. She holds degrees and studies in human development, psychology, and mental health, suicidology, and 70-plus certificates in crisis response. Certified by the FBI Academy as a Master Resilience Trainer, certified by National Office of Victim Advocacy, Critical Incident Stress Management, certified and crisis intervention trained, plus more. She's always focused on bringing hope and healing to people who need it. In 2009, she founded the Center for Suicide Awareness, and in 2014, launched the Hope Line, text-based support line. As an expert in understanding human behaviors, she is a powerful, dynamic speaker and coach who reaches people from a place of empathy and non-judgment. Barb continues to seek ways to fulfill her passion, which is to help people navigate through trauma so they can fully understand and step into their true, authentic self. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Barb Bogalki. Well, hi, Barb. I'm excited to have you here today. (laughs) Thanks. I'm excited too. Thank you for having me. I have been looking forward to this um, interview and conversation with you for quite a while because with your experience and your uh, being a mom as well, I think you have a Mm -hmm. lot to share with our audience and can really, as we step into 2021, really kind of help prepare moms going into the future on, you know, what, what, what changes and the good and the bad of you know, how we raise our kids and what we can change around. So, and I know you have, you have three daughters. I do three daughters and a granddaughter and a granddaughter. Very nice. (laughs) And you also came from having 10 girls in your family. Is that right? Yeah. I'm the youngest of a family of 11. There was one boy and 10 girls. So a lot, a lot of estrogen. Yeah. (laughs) Poor father. (laughs) I'll tell you what, um, you know, if, if people are looking out there for experience, uh, they're going to hear it right here on this interview today, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not many of us have that many surrounding 24-7, 365 of estrogen, like you said. 
Um, yes. But we're going to go right into our questions because sure. I think you have a lot to offer. And please fill in or add to anything that you think you would be helpful for um, our audience. But, you know, to start off with, um, how would you say, since we're talking about character development and how, you know, we always parent differently or we kind of take, mm -hmm. you know, different sides of what we learned and mm -hmm. turn it to raising our own daughters, um, how would you say your style would be different from one child to another? You know, I think for one, we as moms are so critical. We are so critical of everything that we do. And, um, you know, I look back now and go, wow, daughter one versus daughter two versus daughter three, such a different parenting style. But then again, I was at a different place in my life too. Sure. And I think we really have to give ourselves grace to say, hey, that was the toolbox that I had at the time. As I progressed as not only a mom, but as a woman, um, and I was a single mom, you know, so for the majority of those years, I think we have to just sort of sometimes get out of the judgment role and critical role and say, gosh, you know, of course I made mistakes. Of course, looking back, boy, I wish I would have done this, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Mm -hmm. But man, at that time, that's all the tools that I had in my box of, um, of knowledge. A friend of mine used to tell me, don't should on yourself. And I was so grateful for that. <laughs> I used that so many times in my life because, you know, we should, could, and would, you know. But how, how old were you when you, um, how old were you when you had your, your girls? So my oldest daughter um, was with my first husband and he, um, let's see, we had her when I was, I think, 27, 27, okay. um, and left a very high powered career to be a stay at home mom. And I look at the whole process of that was not, um, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You sit in Lamaze class and they tell you all these things and you're going, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I'm supposed to be doing all of this. And you look around at other parents that are new and we all have this glassy eyed look of, okay, sure. Do we get a manual? Like I get a manual with my car. Do I get a manual? Like when they cry, when they're looking for this. Um, and my first daughter was born premature. Uh -huh. uh, and jaundice. So it's like right out of the gate, you had things that I, you know, the shrug, the shoulders, I didn't know. Um, we were, we live in Wisconsin, so you don't have sunlight, but she was jaundice. So I was supposed to find sunlight to help her with her jaundice. Well, that's not going to happen in the middle of January right. um, is when my first daughter was born. Um, and also too, is she was colicky very colicky child so she constantly you know cried and she didn't breastfeed good and I think everything that was like Could in the book wrong. of hey this is gonna really be bad um she was on it um and before she was a year old I was already divorced um, um from her dad um and so I just think about <laughs> man, did we did we have everything against us? Yes. But, you know, it was interesting just recently, I sort of did some reflective work back 
there were so many times that we could have just said, this is too much. I mean, we had everything against us. We were in poverty, you know, when he left us, we were in poverty um, from working, going paycheck to paycheck, food stamp to food stamp, um, just trying to stay afloat. It was with great friends, um, the grace of God that we did. And then I add to the mixture said, I'm going to go back to college and get some more degrees. Um, and so packed up that little bundle of joy and we trucked up and somehow graduated with her on my hip wow. out of college. You know, perseverance is my word for 2021. And I think that describes you perfectly during that time frame. And I think, you know, it's those times you feel so alone and feel so inadequate. I look back and like when you were asking the different styles, mm-hmm. you know, I was just barely doing it myself. I did not have any um, manual or tools to say, hey, you're going to be doing this and you're going to be doing it on your own. We had just moved back to Wisconsin from Arizona. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have, and I didn't move back home to my home city. I moved to a different part. I was brand new to the city, didn't have the support, didn't have the friends, didn't have any kind of community. And yet somehow- did it. We did it. Yes. Oh, that's what a great story because that, you know, kind of shows you can't, you can't give up as many times as we want to sometimes, you know, I had my first one, I was 21, you know, Mm. moved to moved out of my city that I grew up with all my life down Mm. to Del Rio, Texas, military Mm. wife, you know, Mm. new baby. Yeah, it was, uh, and there were some very lonely times where you can walk those walks alone. And you think you're supposed to do it all. And that's one thing that I just, I feel like if I could leave a message with these, um, these moms out there is that you ask, ask, you're not alone. And that's why this podcast came about is I want other moms to know that, you know, there are struggles and, and you can own those struggles because if you keep stuffing them, you're never going to get through them. You're just going to keep stuffing it. And, and, and you've got to figure out a way or just know that you're not alone and that, we're not going to be judging you. You know, I was so afraid of being judged for not having it all together, you know, and thank God we didn't have the internet back then because these poor moms these days, they have to have all the answers or they freak out because there's so much information, you know? Right. So, And, and I look back at my first daughter versus my middle and my, my third daughter, totally at a different time. You know, I look back and yeah, you know, was I mother of the year? No. Did I make mistakes? Absolutely. Was I also going through my own personal struggles? Yes. I had a, a little girl that cried all the time, would never leave my side and no support. And um, I, I remember going to some place and they gave me this sort of side eye, I call it you know, the, the, the judgmental eye. And they're like, well, you're a single mom. And I thought every single person out there that I hope is listening to this, there is such a stigma about it as if like I chose it, you know, like I'm going to choose this hard road to, to persevere, or I'm going to choose that I'm going to have this label on me that people look at detrimental. We would have not 
I would have been a totally different person if I would have stayed with my first husband. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he was, had alcohol and he had um, a lot of bad habits and it was not a healthy situation. So I look at it and say, was it hard? Yes. Um, but I, I could not even imagine yeah. still being in that marriage today. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I, I, I probably, I, yeah. I, I mean, it's, I can't even think that into it. I know that that beginning certainly has, I've struggled with my oldest daughter's relationship. That is very hard for me, heartfelt. Um, I think there's a lot of blame, like I wasn't a good mom. I don't think anyone blames themselves more than yourself. Yeah, you know, I used to, um, I my kids, when they would get, get on me or we'd have, you know, certain struggles, I would look at them and say, you know, I didn't just wake up one morning and think, who am I going to mess up with today? Who am, or, who am I going to screw over today? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. we don't do that. Our, you know, our intentions are there. And I think once I learned so much about um, my own mom, um, I remember sitting on the couch folding clothes one day. And that was when it was all four, when I had four of the six kids. And I thought, how did she do this? Like, it was that aha moment of, mm-hmm. Wow you know, and Mm -hmm. we don't, as we're going through it, you're kind of going through the motions. We're only going through, you know, the first ones, we have no experience. We have nothing to to tell us. Everybody has their own experiences. So we can't, we can use them as guides, but each, each event or whatever with each kid is so different. You know, we talked about that. And would you say that your mom um, gave you any certain skills for you to be successful or, you know, being the youngest of 11, that's, that's a lot. And so tell me a little bit about that, because obviously you are a, a winner. You persevere, you. not that you choose, you know, our, our, right. we don't choose our roads, but we have to go through them and you don't go around them. You don't go over them. You have to walk through them. And you mm-hmm. did, you know, we don't go mm-hmm. into a marriage thinking we're going to get divorced or separated, or it's going to be bad. We go in with, you know, honeymoon, <laughs> Disneyland, <Right>. you know, <laughs> the starry eyed of, yeah. oh, wow, this is the way it's going to be. We're going to have a marriage. We got a little house and we're going to have this baby. And, yeah. and when all of those should things have happened, it's like your plan goes, now what, now what am I supposed to do? Um, but going back to my mother is I was uh, the youngest of 11. My mom was exhausted by the time she had me. Um, my mom was almost 50 years old when she had me. Wow. She was tired. Um, and so this isn't about, you know, you hear so many people go, well, I blame my childhood for who I am today. I don't blame my mother and father, but I can honestly say the skill set that I walked away from at 18 when I left my house and moved to Arizona was not a skill set that set me up for success. It was a skill set of exhausted parents um, who had already weathered, you know, 10 other kids. Um, There really wasn't a day that I don't remember my mom um, being in bed and being tired Mm -hmm. or being ill. Um, I remember being five years old and my mom telling me, well, I'm not going to see you graduate from eighth grade. Um, I'm not going to see. So like early on, I was already preparing for my mom not to be there. Mm -hmm. And um, ironically, she lived until she was 90. So she was around until I was in my 40s 
I think 40. Um, but, but you miss I, that emotional, uh, that emotional attachment at that time as well. And like I said, at the beginning, right. you know, you lose, you, you learn two things from your parents, how to be and how not to be, you know, you, right. you learn the how not to be. So, you know, correct. Yeah. And I think, you know, this isn't again about blame, right? Because that was a generation. You didn't talk about feelings. You didn't talk about emotions. We grew up in a very Catholic German great food, right? You always had dumplings and everything else, but you did not talk about emotions, feelings. Um, it wasn't until I can tell you late in my life that I could finally label that I was a child of neglect. Mm. Um, you know, and again, I think about, could you having a kid at 50? you're tired, you're exhausted, right. you're ready to retire. And my parents were still just hopping into number 11. So the skill set that I learned was you sort of had to raise yourself. Um, my dad was a very staunch uh, German, um, man of few words. Uh, I can tell you that my dad never told me he loved me. And that definitely played a part in who I am and who I was. Um, and my mom was very tired. Um, and so um, the one thing that I, I took away was if you had a problem, you ran away. Um, she ran to the to ice cream store every time she had a problem. Anytime there was conflict, she would take a change purse and run to the local ice cream store. That is something to, to this day, Kim, I have to work on that I don't run when I feel like I'm in a corner. Um, sure. The one thing though, that I think I did walk away was um, I had that feeling of neglect. And so I constantly tried to fill that sure. void. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. and, and I think when people say that, they're not just saying that for sympathy or empathy. I think we really have to listen to people when they say that they've had neglect. Because neglect is something where you feel like you're just never good enough. And neglect is you're constantly striving for even any kind of affirmation that there's love. You know, we talked earlier about how love is that highest vibration and frequency right. in, in the universe. And when you don't have it, or you have it in mixed signals. So my parents gave me the equation that love equaled having food, having a house, having a great education. I mean, I did. I had a great edu Catholic education. I was accepted to every school because of it. Um, that's what love was. Love to me equated good grades, that you were in your Catholic uniform and you were a good girl. You weren't doing, you know, you weren't having the police bring you home at night. Um, and so that was really a mixed signal. Not mm -hmm. that those things are bad, but what about the other part of the warm embraces and the, the validation of saying, hey, awesome, um, awesome work, or I'm proud of you. Um, I didn't have that. And yeah. I can tell you those lack of tools in the toolbox did not set me up um, to be the best mom Mm -hmm. or the best partner in, in, in relationships that I had that you can correct. And it's something that you can work on. And I strive to do it daily. 
you know, there's a lot of moms out there too that probably feel very similar or had similar stories too. And I learned that um, it's really helpful to kind of shift your thought when we have these feelings that we don't want to blame, you know, we don't want to do the blame game like you were saying. However, you have to kind of look at where did, where did, what did our parents learn? You know, there's Mm -hmm. generations behind them of what they were given or not given and how they wanted to change things. And then you bring um, a spouse into the picture, right? And they have their stories and their experiences. And now you're bringing two of these families together. And how are you going to share that? And I mean, it's, there's so many dynamics to a, a relationship whether it's with a spouse or a parent or a child. And, um, you know, people need to be open to seeing all the sides that we all don't think the same. You can't treat each child the same. I don't know about you, but my three right. daughters are very different, you know? <laughs> They're totally different. And, yeah. I, and I love that they are. And I, uh-huh. you know, I loved what you said. My dad was an only child and he hated being an only child. So he has 11 kids. Mm-hmm. My mom was from a, a large family of nine. So she never had the ability to go to college. So she spent her whole life. There wasn't a day that I did not hear that regret of, I wish I would have gone to college, Mm -hmm. you know? So So she gave you that. So that was something that was strong love for her because she wanted that. And, you know, when you take it back generation, generation, you can see where it's from, which, like I said, it frees you from blaming or to use that as an excuse to not do something, you know? I agree. And I think, you know, so many people are like, well, you know, that's your family of origin. And that's where you learn that, you know, it took me decades Mm -hmm. to finally get to a point of really looking at some of the hard stuff, instead of having it like, well, that's, that's just the way they are sort of like an excuse, you know, like that's a generation, but understanding it, and then really looking at and owning it, how it showed up in me. It's funny, because I am probably over loving <laughs> my children. You know, it's not a day that goes by. I love you, heart. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. And I, sometimes I'm like, what the heck? I didn't learn that. But for me, I think it's an overcompensation of sure. me never hearing the words I love you. And if anything, I love, or I shouldn't say I love it, but it's funny when my kids will say, Mom, we know you love us because Grandpa never told you you. <laughs> I heard I that story it. already. <laughs> I heard that story already, but that's okay to, for them to understand. Sometimes we do have to break these cycles. Sometimes yeah. we do have to. Just and admit, it's hard. Like, There's a mm-hmm. lot of young moms out there. There's middle-aged moms out there. You know, I, I'm over fifty. You're over. 50. You know, we're lear- we're yeah. still learning and growing and altering. We um. We get stuck. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I want to shift this a little bit, and we didn't really yeah. talk about this prior, but, you know, your Center for uh, Suicide Awareness. I want to talk yeah. a little bit about that. Like, what made you go down that road? You have a successful business up there in Wisconsin. You're looking to move <laughs> down to my area of the, of the, yes, of the woods. I'm so excited. And, uh, you know, we know now, especially with this COVID and with all the things, I mean, there was a lot of suicide Um, Mm -hmm. awareness and mental illness that really needed to be um, addressed over the years. But since COVID and, you know, I live in a military community and, you know, grew up in a law enforcement family, there's so much and there's not enough, there's not enough help out there. There's not enough people. No. And so I'd love to hear, you know, Mm -hmm. what, what drew you to that being so um, powerful in your business and, you know, your, your life and, 
you know, tell us a little bit about what you want to do, what you're, you know, what you have to offer for our listeners. Um, I think the first thing when people say, oh, you founded, you know, the nonprofit center for suicide awareness, it must have came because there was suicide in your family. And there wasn't. Um, well, how I always say that the center for suicide awareness found me instead of I founded them. Um, because I, I, I remember working for our local police department. So I worked as the head of crisis for our local police department. Um, and so you got to be in the midst of people at their most vulnerable and their most painful. And as a community, we don't do good with sitting with people in pain, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, come on, fix it, get over it because we're uncomfortable with it. And it's not about that. Then we're taking it away from them and putting it onto us. And so um, the role that I was in, I was literally going either on a death notification. Now, there's one thing that I think everything people have to understand. Suicide is such a different death. Because I would go on a death notification that somebody died because the roads in Wisconsin are icy. And I could give them a reason. The roads were bad, it was dark, there were deer on the road. They still grieved, but they had a conclusion, they had a reason. Mm -hmm. When I would go and give a death notification that said your loved one died by suicide, where did that reason go? We didn't have one. I had no why, I had nothing. I had nothing to ease their grief other than saying, I'm sorry, and what can we do to help? But they shifted that to what did I do wrong? Why couldn't I have done this? It's this, it's a death that puts all sorts of blame and judgment around it and doesn't allow that person to grieve. And they feel so alone and they feel so isolated and they can't share it. Some people will say to me, I lie how my loved one died because I don't want the judgment mm -hmm. to come to, to them. And I think, mm -hmm. well, how do you grieve if you always are having to like make something up or sugarcoat it because our society can't deal with it? And I really think, and this weaves into my growing up, is I remember feeling so alone. I remember being like, okay. I was the youngest majority of my sisters gone when I was, you know, my oldest sister was almost graduating college when I was born. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have them all around. I became more and more alone as my sisters grew up and as my parents got older. And I remember feeling like that little girl in sure. the bedroom being alone and not talking about it because you were from a good little Catholic family. And of course you have 11 siblings, so how could you be lonely? And I think there's some real parallel to when somebody dies by suicide that you can't share it because, hey, this person was a successful person. This person was a straight A student. There is no poster child for a suicide. It, does, it crosses everything. It doesn't discriminate. Mm -hmm. And I remember sort of feeling like, oh my gosh, I can relate. You feel so isolated. You feel so alone. And if you say it, you're going to get judged by it. And I remember one time going to one of my uh, school teachers and saying, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm struggling. 
And her quick answer was like, are you kidding me? But you're, you're Mary Louise's, you know, sister. How can you be? All you girls are, are intelligent people and da, da, da. And that really, that stuck with me. Like, don't open your mouth because people look at your family and expect yeah. something. There's no individuality. Yeah. Yeah. And I really believe that's what called it. Mm. That sense of empathy of going, this isn't right. You shouldn't be grieving here in Wisconsin. Um, it's very traditional to like, if somebody passes away, you have a wedding, anything, you make a casserole and you send it to yeah, give it to sure. the person. Right. I always said suicide was the grief that had no casserole. Oh, because people didn't know, people didn't share, people whispered, people in, avoided they didn't it. didn't get to close that loop. And people right. are afraid to close that loop, you know? That's yes. what this whole be dazzling. And someday I'll share the rest of my story, but yeah. that's, you know, be seen, be heard, be dazzling, be seen. Yeah. You know, I have felt that isolation and that loneliness and questioned, you know, what what's my purpose? Why am I here? And really had to make right. a conscious decision to continue because I, right. you know, I, I'm sure I could probably, I, maybe you could tell me, but I mean, 90 plus percent people have had that feeling of loneliness, have hit Absolutely. it. That's part of the emotional, what, emotional intelligence scale, right? Despair, yeah. whether it's disappointment in a breakup or, you know, you lose something or you just never know what's going to drive it. Everybody's, everybody's mm -hmm. why to that, mm -hmm. that loneliness that can lead down the wrong path. If you don't mm -hmm. have support or strength, or just, I don't even know what it is that can help people give them that, that hope, you know, mm -hmm. it was God that, I, that, that gave me mm -hmm. hope, you know, but mm -hmm. if you don't have a certain spiritualness, where's that good hope going to come from? I think we do such a poor job in our world of saying you have inner purpose and tap into that inner purpose. You know, we have these scales of who's who and type of thing, but I really would love for people to say, you know what, I am enough. I have purpose, be it spiritual, be it that you just know you have a gift to give and offer. Do you find that, you know, we seem to be a more connected um, society with the internet, social media and all that. And yet people seem to be lonelier, suicide rate is higher. You know, where's, where's that coming from? Do you have any? I agree with you, Kim. Our loneliest scale is awful. And, you know, I think what it comes from is we have so much information, right? We can go on our Twitter. We can go on our Facebook. We can go on our LinkedIn. We can go on every single technology. And yet, how do we feel like we belong? We don't. I would love to go back to some of the community-based where we didn't have that, where you didn't have technology. And I'm not saying that technology is bad. My gosh, it's great when you're saying I'm five minutes late, right? Or you have to have a Google map because you have no idea where you are. So I'm not anti-technology, but I do believe that we have to get back to the connection of community of we're people, we're people. And however we feel connected, we have to get back to that. Do you have any suggestions? Or... Having a community with intention, mm -hmm. you know, do you remember, I mean, we just talked about cash rolls, right? It was like, oh, you moved new here. I'm bringing you chocolate chip cookies and stuff like that. Not that we have to go backwards, you know, to saying, hey, we all have to be like baking and stuff. 
but can we not have a community of intention of everybody has a sense of belonging? We have turned it on the other side of we found more differences with each other than similarities. And at the end of the day, we are human. We all are human. And so let's build from that. We're human and move yes. up. I love and, that. The uh, simplicity of of life we're missing definitely. And it's funny you use the word intention because my uh, previous uh, interview with Dr. Raquel, that's what mm -hmm. we talked about was intention. You know, we have yes. to, we have to set an intention of how, you know, we want to speak to people or connect with people. And we're not, we were going, you know, I think before COVID people were going through the motions, you know, and oh, then we're totally. all grounded, you know, we all became grounded mm -hmm. and yeah. you had to intentionally make an effort to say hello to someone or pick up the phone or connect. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a plus that came out of taking that step back. Yes. I agree. It sort of had us do some of our own hard inventory of yes. saying, oh, maybe I didn't connect or maybe I don't know that neighbor as well as I do. You know, people have said, you know, oh, we hate COVID. Did we need a wake up call mm -hmm. in our, our country and world to say, are we just people going through the motions, like mm -hmm. you said, mm -hmm. or do we have the intention of we want to make a difference, be a difference? So many times people minimize that their skills do make a difference. People always ask me what suicide prevention is. And I said, suicide prevention is honestly being nice and kind and respectful to every single person you meet, meaning, hey, let me return your shopping cart for you because it's snowing outside. How do you know that one simple little thing, that person goes, A, that person noticed me. That might have been the only verbal conversation that person had in who knows how long. Mm -hmm. We are not meant to be isolated. And I don't, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about we are not meant to be isolated human beings. We are meant to connect. We are meant to mesh our different our gifts and our talents together in whatever form or fashion. But it seems like in our climate today, we are so concentrated on our differences that we absolutely don't see this beautiful middle of the road saying, sure. hey, you might, you might have a different view. You might have a different opinion. And I'm not even talking politics. I'm talking just differences but yet we can have some kind of common ground where we have those respectful conversations to say, hey, you know what? Maybe we see things a little different. My lens might be different than your lens. My background gives me this insight, your background, and respect that. It's finding the gray. It's it. finding the gray in a, yes. yeah, in a conversation with, you know, there's so much black and white. And I did this little exercise with my one of my kids at one time when they were younger because they were so, I mean, very smart, intelligent, you know, mm -hmm. and would almost be annoyed with the siblings because, you know, they did something yeah. wrong. And finally, I had to sit down and I drew a circle and I put his name in the middle of it. And I said, now this is you, right? And, but what makes up you is you're a, you're a brother, you're a son, you're a yes. friend, you're a, you know, cousin, yes. you're a, whatever, all these things. That's what make you up as a whole. And you can't just stick with okay, I'm, I'm this one particular, you know, yes, yes. And um, we got to get away from our identity is so wrapped up into our jobs or our labels, especially with mental health, something that that is so um, 
needs to be done is people go and have a diagnosis. Oh, you have social anxiety. And then they wear that like this. It's an armor. Like that's all they are. No, they're human. They have great skill sets. And that's just one piece of them. You're is so that they right. might have social anxiety. But somewhere in this or they're mixture. depressed or they have anxiety or they have, you're so right, you know, and, um, and people do get wrapped up in that and they judge themselves first and they need to, like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. they're the first to, to own it before somebody labels them. You know, they just, the and labels I, just kind of, uh, what do you call it? They, it just kind of makes it stick. It wraps the tape around it, you know? And I think we do this what we see on the outside doesn't sometimes match the inside. Mm. Why is it that being authentic is so hard? You know, um, because pe- we have a judgmental society. I think if we all just sort of put away our stuff mm. and said, hey, this is how I am. You know what? When I wake up in the morning, especially after a cold, yeah, I got red eyes and, you know, and so forth. I mean, right now it's cold in Wisconsin, so our hands are super dry, oh, well, you know, we all walk around like lizards. But it's like, why does it have to be so critical that we have to put on this, hey, we look so good? Because the more we do that, the more we're not allowing for somebody to share, I'm having a bad day, I'm depressed. And worse, I'm feeling so alone and hopeless that suicide has become really seductive to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that alone feeling is what drew me to say, we should have a center. And I can tell you the Center for Suicide Awareness mission is there is no judgment. Respect and dignity are top priority. You don't have to walk into our center with paperwork saying, you know, I've already been diagnosed with anxiety. No, 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 no. What's your name? what's your favorite color? Let's have these human conversations versus here's what I'm diagnosed with. Here's this. And getting away from the whole aspect like that we're broken. We're not broken. You know, we have bumps and scrapes and bruises. That means we have lived it. You know, we've lived it. Um, And that's what makes you up. But it doesn't have to mean like that you're broken and you're not like your damaged goods. I think one of the hardest things I, I personally struggled with, there were so many decades that I felt like I was damaged goods. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I can tell you the relationships that I was in, I was always just sort of accepting scraps um, from the relationship instead of saying, hey, dang it, I'm a whole buffet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not taking those scraps of bread. I should be a whole buffet. But that took a long time, Kim, yes. to get to that realization of saying, so, I don't deserve just scraps. So if there's somebody listening that's not in your backyard of Wisconsin or soon to be San Antonio, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love for you to leave them with one bit of information that if they need to reach out, I know you have mm-hmm. a helpline, a hotline. Yeah. I'd love yeah. for you to share that. And I will, if I can figure out how to post that on my website, I will also post that with that <laughs> download with, um, sure. you know, the phone number, but I would love for people to know that there is some, something out there. I read it on the Facebook and some of my groups all the time of the anxiety. I need help. I need to talk to a mental, you know, who can you, they, yeah. do they take this insurance? Do they do that? And I'm thinking, call this number, just call this number. And yeah. so why don't you share that number? And, you know, sure. that would be wonderful with our listeners. 
And so first and foremost, this is a free service, okay? So it's not, we don't do insurance or anything like that. Um, second thing, these are trained counselors. These are people that are trained. But more importantly, the people that are answering have heart and empathy. It's not about what has happened. It's we're going to figure it out together. And so um, it's a text line and you can text it 24-7, 100% free. Um, and it works all the way across North America. So Texas, Wisconsin, Utah, all the other states that are out there, right? Um, even Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico. Um, and what it is, it's an emotional support line. So it's saying you're not alone. Whatever you're going through, we, let's combine and sit down and figure it out. It might be, you know what, I just have to vent because I'm sick of being cooped up and wearing a mask of COVID. Okay, let's let's go through this. It might be I'm broke, I just broke up with somebody, or I have a job loss, or what is unemployment going to do? Mm. Any life struggle, that's what it's meant for. It's and again, I can't stress, it is available 24-7. It is 100 percent free. This is not going to ask you, you know, what county are you in? What's your age group? This is how can we help? And how can we take some of the stress off of your plate? That's awesome. Super easy. On your phone, you simply text the word HOPELINE, H-O-P-E-L-I-N-E. Doesn't matter if it's small or capital letters. And the number that you text it to is a short code. It's 741-741. And then hit send. And you're going to have somebody saying, hey, glad you connected. Let's go from here. Thank you. That's awesome. And it doesn't not it doesn't need a hashtag in front of it, correct? Just seven four one seven four one. Beautiful. Well, Barb, this was an incredible conversation <laughs> that we had with you. We went on a few different topics, which I absolutely yeah. love and appreciate because you have so much, so much knowledge and and information to share with our um with our listeners. And I hope we'll have you again here in the spring. We'll have another topic and see how things are going in the next few months when you move down to San Antonio, what we can stir up, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I love it. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And um, Thank thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for joining us on Be Dazzling, the podcast that shows you how to step out of the shadows and into your own spotlight. In each episode, your host, Kim Middlestadt, brings you enlightening conversations with both professionals and moms that will inspire and inform. You can find additional episodes of Be Dazzling at EWNpodcastnetwork.com, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many other places podcasts are available. Until next time, we encourage you and your daughters to be seen and be heard using what you've learned here to step out of the shadows and into your own spotlight. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. 
You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve one million dollars in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.